Hi Saints, welcome to another episode of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Today's message is a sequel to how Christians can move away from suffering. This message is entitled, How Does God Chasten His Children? Part 1. Yes, the misconception of how God chastens his children plays a huge part in why Christians think God is punishing them. So they think it's okay for them to suffer. Well, that's not true. So sit back and let's blow that misconception right out of the water with the word of God. Hi, saints. Get ready to be blessed Today, get ready to be set free, and we are going to read a lot of scripture today, okay, because I want God to speak to you today, and God speaks through his written words, okay? This message is too important for you to have to hear someone's opinion. I want to set you free today because it is not God's will for his children to suffer, And when God chastens us, he do not punish us. And that is what we are going to talk about. How does God chasten his children? What is it? What does chasten mean? Some Christians and even non-Christians have concluded that God uses troubles and trials and sickness and disease to chasten his children. They have the idea that, that the Lord puts these things on them to make better people out of them. Is that really true? Does God really do this? And does he do it to make better people out of us? And if God does not send calamities our way, how does he chasten us? To fully learn the answers to to these questions, we must go to the source, sisters and brothers. We must go to the source of this subject, God's word, and learn for ourselves what exactly the chastening of the Lord really is and what it, it, it entails. This way, We can know exactly what to expect from God and what the devil may send our way to to the guise of our being chastened. Oh, yes, we we are going to stab the devil right dead smack in his heart today with the truth of God's word. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Like I said, we are going to be reading a lot of scripture today. You have the option to pause. But I'm just going to get into this message because it's going to take about an hour and a half. Yes, that's why I um, decided to do a part two tomorrow because if I go through the entire message with, with what I have documented, I will be talking to you for about two and a half to three hours. So for the sake of time, pause the message, find the scriptures, and then resume. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Unless I indicate otherwise, it will be the New King James Version. Verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. 
you have not yet raised to the bloodshed striving against sin and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons my son do not despise the chastening of the lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives if you endure chastening god deals with you as sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten but if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate and not sons furthermore we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it now let us rightly divide this these scriptures okay one of the primary challenges we have had learning about the chastening of the lord has been a misunderstanding in the meaning of the word chasten in the 12th chapter of hebrews this word liter literally means to child train okay it does not mean punishment god does not punish his children but he will chastise them if you look up the word chastisement in the English dictionary, you will notice that it means to punish. We have assumed that chasten has the same meaning in the Greek that it has in the English. It does not. This misunderstanding is partly to blame for the idea that God punishes his children with trials, tribulations, sickness, disease, and other calamities, all for the purpose of making better people out of us. Now, many people have thought over the years that God was punishing them for something they had done in the past. Some people will not even come to, to the family of God. They won't even come to church or won't even come to Christ because they believe bad things is going to happen to them. They are scared. And when I say scared, I do not mean a reverential fear a fear of respect. I mean scared like they would be scared if they ran up on a rattlesnake. Okay. Now let us look at some things that will help us understand the chastening of the Lord more clearly. If you do not understand how God chastens us, you will not be able to use your faith, okay? Because faith doesn't operate in fear. You will be terrified and consequently your faith will not work. So you need to understand what the chastening of the Lord really is. Once you find that out, you will love to be chastened by the Lord. You hear me? But you have to have your mind changed about what the word chasten really means. Now, Paul writes in Hebrew eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, meaning that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, you cannot exercise your faith or even muster up faith to believe God for anything if you are scared. He will hit you over the head with something every time you make a mistake in life. God doesn't do that. A lot of people think that. They think God will just up and just punch him and hit him over the head with a circumstance or a trial if they do something wrong. 
you will actually be unconsciously afraid to use your faith. And without faith, you cannot please God. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me, saints. I'm still battling a cold. But believe me, I'm getting this message out today. I don't care if it takes uh, two hours. It's coming out today because you need to hear this message so you can be set free. Now, if you decide to operate by faith, you have to believe that God is a rewarder and that he is not after you or trying to get back at you for any reason. Many people have a fear of God and it is unfounded. According to the word, it's unfounded. Now, actually, the Lord does not have, have to punish you. Your disobedience to his word would do that. You know, um, get into, uh, <clears throat> or getting you out of line with, with God's word will place you in a position to be just destroyed by the devil. Satan technically is the punisher. Actually, he is trying to kill you. And that in itself is punishment. That brings us back to the question. If God's, it's, if God's form of chastening is not punishment, what is it? As I said before, our challenge comes from not understanding what the word chasten really means. In Hebrews 12, the word along with chastisement means to child train. It means to teach, to instruct, to train as in training a child in the way they should go. God does not punish to train you and he does not put anything negative on you to make you a better person. You have to get this people. You have to receive this in your spirit so that you can release those chains and so that you can release that spirit of suffering. Another word which confirms chastisement as child training is found in Hebrews 12, 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? The word corrected or corrector has two basic meanings. The first meaning is teacher. The second meaning is instructor or chastiser. A chastiser is a teacher or an instructor, not a punisher. Now think about this. Let us say God is the one who sends sickness, disease, and all the other negative things that come our way. If that were true, the reward of the righteous would be trouble, trials and tribulations. Because Hebrews 12, 6 tells us this, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Right? Now, the key phrase here is every son. If the Lord loved all his children and sent all these negative things on them because they did something wrong, it would mean that no Christian would be exonerated in the sight of God. Every child of God will be afflicted with trials and tests simply because they were children of God. Everyone does something wrong once in a while. Y'all know y'all do. We, I do too. And according to Hebrews 12, 6, God chastens and scourges every son. Now, notice also that Hebrews 12, 6 does not define or indicate what things you have to do wrong or what scourges or, or chastening you will receive as a result of what you do. This verse simply says God scourges and chastens every son who comes to him. That leaves it wide open as to what God could chasten and scourge for you. Okay. Now, 
in Hebrews 12, 5, we have a statement which uh, it, if taken in, in the context, I have just outlined is rather curious. Okay. Rather curious. And let's read it. Hebrews uh, 12, 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as, as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Now, the exhortation mentioned in this verse is found in Job chapter 5, verse 17, which says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Now, if we think of chastisement as punishment, as we do in the English language, there is nothing to be happy about when you are punished, is it? Now, however, these verses encourages us to be happy when we are chastised or chastened by the Lord. You cannot be happy when you have cancer. Hmm? Hmm? You cannot rejoice when your finances are going down the tubes. I know I didn't rejoice when mine was going down the tubes or when anything else is having uh, that, that has a negative impact on your life. Since when did you, were you happy about that? Now, it sounds more like chastening in these verses has something to do with correcting, not punishing. That was square with the definition of chasten. We described earlier, namely, to teach, instruct, train as you would train up a child. How do you train up a child? You would not teach a child to stay away from a, a, a hot burner. And I talked about it in the uh, previous message. You wouldn't teach your child to stay away from a hot burner by putting his hand on the burner, will you? You know, never put your hand on a hot stove. If any, you know, parent did that, he or she would be guilty of child abuse. If you put your child, your child's hand on a hot burner or throw your child out in front of a, a, a car coming down the street to teach them not to go into the street, what on earth, what kind of training or chastising would that be? So if you wouldn't do that, why on earth would you think God would put punishment on you? You know, you wouldn't throw your child in front of a running train to show him not to cross the tracks when a train is coming. I mean, some of this stuff is ridiculous. I mean, the, the word of God speaks for itself if you allow it, if you allow it or if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of truth. It teaches us. So a lot of people are misunderstanding these scriptures because they simply don't have the spirit of truth in them. They haven't received the spirit of God in them. That's why they don't get it. They are trying to understand this with a carnal mind instead of with the spirit. And you, my sisters and brothers, it'll never happen. You will never understand this if you are trying to comprehend the Bible with your carnal mind. Okay, I'm allowing for silence. For you to let that seek in. Now, we have traditionally accused God of putting sickness, disease, or calamity on us to train us. We have falsely accused God for that one. Now, that is what churches and ministers have been saying. The Lord is testing you. The Lord is training you. You know what that would be in our society? You know what, what they would arrest you for? You will be arrested for child abuse. 
If you don't train your child that way, what makes you think God Almighty, the God of grace, will train you that way? But yet, we have, had, we have accused God of doing just that. Paul brings up another point in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 7. Let's look at that. Hebrews 12, verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, if, if is the qualifier here, and it indicates something very important, it indicates that you have a decision to make as to whether or not to endure the chastening. Now, when sickness or disease come upon you, you have no choice about whether or not you will endure that. Most of us would choose not to have it come within 50,000 miles of us, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Now, if we have a choice as to whether or not to endure chastening, this means chastening must be none of the things God has traditionally been, been accused of doing. Because you have no choice when these things happen to you. You can refuse to submit to God's training and there's always a negative consequence as a result. However, God has nothing to do with that. As I already stated, God does not punish you, nor does he have, nor does he have to. God wants to train you, but he cannot do it if you do not allow him to. Okay, look at Hebrews uh, 12, 7 again. It goes on to say that if we endure chastening, God will deal with us as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, you would not be considered a good parent if you had five children and train only one of them. Therefore, God endeavors to train all of his children. Now, Jesus gives us a further indication of God's attitude toward believers in Matthew's chapter 7, verse 7 uh, through 11. Now, let's go there. Verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, Jesus is saying that God is a better father to us than we are parents to our own children. That is what Jesus is saying. I have never, ever, ever given anyone, anyone's child, a bad gift. Mm-mm. Listen to what Jesus said again now. Jesus tells us, if you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good, give good things to those who ask him? Notice Jesus says that good gifts, that uh, God gives good, get, good things. Notice that Jesus said that. He said God gives good things. Sickness, disease, and other bad news are not good things, are they? Or some of you have programmed yourselves to think that all evil is good and all good is evil. Some of you have allowed Satan to, to confuse you in that, in that sense. 
Yeah, I, I, I know that's the issue because I'm around people that that no longer know the difference between good and evil. And they no longer know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness and holiness and unholiness. They have allowed Satan to deceive them. Have you? Have you? Now, uh, listen to it again now. Jesus says that God gives good things. Sickness, disease, and other bad news are not good things, saints. God could not have anything to do with them. He doesn't have anything to do with sickness and disease and all these trials that are coming upon you. Now, some people have also claimed that God uses negative things to get us to repent. That is, is, it's just not scripturally true. It's not in here, people. It's not. Let's look at Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to, to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness, glory to God, of God leads you to repentance? Now we can close up shop here. We don't even need to move further. It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. So God leads you to repentance by his goodness, not by trials, not by tribulations, or not by calamities. God does not drive you to repentance. He leads you to it. After he has put up with you for a long time, God will not take anything away from you or do something bad to you to bring you into repentance. He will do something good for you. If you have enough sense to perceive it. Mm-hmm. If you have enough sense to perceive it. Okay. Now, the reason God chastens us is that he loves us. He wants us to succeed. Now, to live the overcoming Christian life to the best of our abilities. Now, let, let's look at Psalms 94 verse 12. Psalms 94 verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. Now, we are supposed to be blessed when God chastens us. You are not blessed when your dog is killed, are you? When you have cancer, when your business is destroyed, or when your finances are just depleted to zero. When you are blessed, you receive something that will benefit you, that will make your life better, not worse. We also read, we also read earlier that, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder, people. A rewarder to those who diligently seeks him. Okay? A reward like a blessing is something that will improve your general situation. Am I, am I correct? Therefore, there is no way you could realistically construe anything negative as a reward. It's not a reward. Nothing negative is a reward. 
when God teaches us, we are blessed. How then are we taught? Now, the verse we just read spells it out in no uncertain terms. Look at Psalms again, Psalms 94, 12. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. Now, the word law is a synonym for the word of God. Did y'all know that? The word law is a synonym for the word of God. That is how God teaches and trains us, not by punishing us, not by putting cancer on us, not by killing your dog or one of your children, not by destroying your business or ripping off your finances. He trains us by his word. How does God get his word to us? He does not just come down and, and, and do it, you know, personally. He does it through the ministry gifts he has placed in the church. He does it in the local church through, through the pastor, through the apostle, through the evangelist, through the prophet, through the teacher, because that is where the body of Christ gathers together. Now, when false teaching comes in, you don't hear this word. That is what you have to be careful for. That now, this is how God trains us. Now, if we will submit to the authority he has placed in the church, the ones who are teaching the truth, that is how God trains us. The problem is many people will not submit to the authority. They may say, you know, I don't care what, what uh, Dr. Kamala D says, but they are missing the whole point. They may think I am, I am the one coming up with, with these things that I say, but it's not me. It is the word of the Lord. That's why I told you, look, I'm getting ready. I'm going to let the word of God speak to you. I'm not putting on no show. This is not a, a lights, camera, action show. Mm -mm, mm -mm. The Lord wants to help us. He wants to teach us and train us to be winners in the things of God, not losers, winners. However, chastening can hurt. You know, this is why Hebrews 12, 6 says this, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now to scourge someone means to whip, you know, uh, it means to whip that individual. That is what they did to Jesus. The Bible says they scourged him. Now, when you whip someone, even if it is only by telling that person something that, that could save his or her life, it is going to hurt. That person may be grateful later that you took the time and effort to help, but initially, excuse me, they may be in some pain emotionally, okay? But God says through Paul that he scourges every son. He is training us, teaching us, his children, and that, and that is how he does it, through his word, saints, through his words now um but but he cannot do it except through his vessels that he set in the church he can't now i do not like upsetting people i don't however i would rather have people mad at me and 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 god glad than to have people glad and god mad now that plus the fact that 
it can possibly help someone in the process is the bottom line. It, it's, it's the bottom line, people. Now, God attempts to help us every way that he can. And most of the time, most people will not receive his word. They don't. They don't receive uh, his help. But he is going to do it through the word. That's what he's going to do. See, most of the time people are receiving what these people are saying in the pulpit, even though it is contrary to the word of God is because they can see him. And just because you can see someone, you, you, you take them at their word, just because they are in that pulpit, they are wearing these robes and you think God put them there. But you better remember, Jesus said that there are going to be false teachers among you. He said that. And he said that you are to remove yourself from the false teachings. Why? Because you can't grow under false teaching. That's why, you know, God, it, God is not going to do, do it through the circumstances in which you are in. Now you may opt to learn something through a circumstance, but that is not the way God wants you to learn. He wants you to learn by his word. It is much less painful. Trust me. And you will not have to go through so much. That is one reason God wants us filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be open for God to give you the direction you need to help the people. Now, I do not know what goes on in your house behind closed doors, but God does. However, if 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 he is not going to come down here to do something about it, he would do it through the ministry gifts that he sets in the church. Now, when a minister or a teacher is not filled with the spirit, he does not have this insight. He do, it is impossible to have the insight of God's word if you are not filled with the spirit. This is why many ministers do not say anything about the service. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, do not say anything in the service uh, about chastening, chastening people. How can they? They do not have the mind of the spirit. They do not know what, what you as an individual are going through. These ministers always try to say something that sounds good to the people. So, so the people will continue to come and give offerings to the church. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. See, that ain't my modus operandi for, um, at the end of all my messages, me asking you to support the podcast. Um, my modus operandi is so that I can, uh, get enough money to pay that this message be sent all over the world. You know, not for me to pocket it. So we need to get that straight. But we have these crooked ministers whose, whose belly is filled with greed. And that's scriptural too, okay? Filled with greed and trying to rob God's people. Now, these ministers always try to say something that sounds good to the people. So the people will continue to come to their church. Now, the theory is, if you make some people angry, they will not give an offering. Uh-huh. So most of the time, these preachers will say things that will, will placate the people. Things that sound good, but have no real substance. That way, people do not get upset and quit coming to church. You know, I do not do that. I want to be obedient to the Lord. And I am surprised myself sometimes when I hear what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yes. 
And I say to myself, here I go again. <laughs> and then I know I'm in trouble now. But I have a mandate from God. And it is the spirit of God operating through me that is saying those things. God is not going to come down to earth and stand behind the pulpit to tell people what to do. If he did, you would listen to him, would you? Yeah, you would listen to him, wouldn't you? You may think you have a legitimate excuse for not listening to me because I am just a human being. What I can't, you know, what I know is God teaches me well in these scriptures. But you had better learn how to discern the spirit of God or you are going to be in some serious trouble because we have a lot of false teachers out there. We have a lot of false prophets out there. We have a lot of false pastors out there who put themselves in the church to be head of the church, not God. You see how God hand picked Paul? God you let me tell you how you can distinguish between God's ministers and a false minister. If you ask that minister this one question, tell me this, how does God chasten his children and see what he tells you? The answer should be, oh, through his word, there should not be another answer. Through his word, ask him to ask your pastor that or your teacher that and see what they tell you. And whatever they tell you, say, show me. Can you show me in the word so I can study it? Now, I want you to write down all these scriptures I'm showing you today. Now, if they don't have spiritual insight, they're going to tell you, oh, he'll put sickness on you. Oh, he'll get you. I've heard them tell me that. And then they didn't know who they were talking to. And get trust me, I corrected them. Oh, did I correct them? Now, in 2 Timothy 3.16, we have this statement. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, the word instruction in this verse is, the, is in the Greek. And it is the same word translation as chasten in Hebrews 12. We could read 2 Timothy 3.16 like this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for chastening in righteousness. That's how it should have been written in the Bible when the translators put it there. But I told y'all before, some of the translators made some uh, errors because they put an English word in um, with the de definition being contrary to what, what a Greek word or a Hebrew word means. So which means it will change the meaning of that scripture. Thank God for insight. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. You know, because you want to know the truth, right? You want to know the truth. But see, this is where teaching come in at. You have to be taught these things, not preached to. When you preach, you preach the gospel. But when you are taught, this is how you are being taught. Now, now again, chastening is instruction. Instruction is not punishment. Another facet of the chastening of the, of the Lord is found in Ephesians 6 and 4. Ephesians 6 and 4, let's go there. Ephesians 6 and 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, the word training in Ephesians is also the same Greek word for chasten in Hebrews 12. To train is the same as to instruct or point in the right direction. 
Training, instructing, and chastening all refer to the same thing. Okay? Write this down. Take your notes. Because this is how you can move away from suffering. This is how you can put your faith to work. Because see, if you, you ain't going to put your faith to work if you think God doing it. Right? You ain't going to put your faith to work. See, that's why, how the devil gets you. Oh, he's slick, but he ain't slicker than the word of God. He's not slicker than the Holy Spirit. So you got to listen to God's word if you want to get out of this rut. Okay. Now, the easiest way for you to relate this to um, is to think about faithfulness. God is teaching us all the time through his own faithfulness about the fact that we should we should be faithful. We should be faithful to him. We should be faithful to our loved ones. Now, however, some people have heard the word, but they have not let it make contact with their spirits. Okay. They are unfaithful to the things of God because their word is not any good. Because of this, God cannot trust these people. He can't. Look, if God don't trust you, hmm. Now, he may love us, but he cannot trust us. Now, when children are very small, they will sit in their high chairs at dinner time and sometimes throw, throw their little plastic cups or or their little plastic uh, forks and plates on the floor. Now, we should never put crystal glass in the hands of small children when they're eating. Know why? Because they can't handle anything so breakable. Likewise, God cannot give some Christians some things because they cannot handle them. Now, even though they have prayed and confessed that they have those items, God is a wise father. He cannot allow those things to go to certain Christians because they are not faithful. They would, in essence, throw these items on the floor and break them. Now, you can either receive this or you can reject it. Now, there are people who have been saved 25 or 30 years and they still cannot be trusted. Now, they may wonder, how come God let so-and-so do that? And, and didn't let me do it. They may not even, you know, they may not even be able to write their offering uh, checks and have money in the bank to cover them. It goes back to the principle that he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And I had to learn that. Now, if you cannot be trusted to do the right, the right thing with $5, why should God entrust you with $500,000? Why? Why? Tell me that. God works through his children whom he can trust. I am uh, basically on time for something I am scheduled to show up for. And 99.999% of the time, I keep my word. God wants to train you by having you do little things in life first. Now, if you cannot be trusted with little things, you cannot be trusted with big things. God wants us blessed. He wants us instructed. He wants us trained so that when we grow up in Christ, we will be able to handle the responsibilities of kingdom living. He wants to entrust us with the things of God. But the way God is able to trust us is by our submitting to instruction. This is why some people are no further along in the things of the spirit than they are already. 
They have not submitted to the word to be instructed by it. Because of that, they cannot be trusted. Now, Paul says in Hebrews 12 and 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, the statement, this statement have been, uh, have been trained by it has the same basic meaning as it will produce for those who will submit to God's chastening. Okay. If you are not submitting to God, it will not produce. You can have all the books and all the tapes in the world, but that is not what makes this work. You have to be faithful to God's word. That is how God will train, train and help you. That's how he trains us saints. Now, what about the wilderness? Oh yes, we are getting ready to deal with how people misunderstood and twist and turn and misrepresent the, the, the wilderness when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Now, some people say, well, Dr. Kamala D, sometimes the Lord will lead us through the wilderness to make us strong. Where's that scripture? Yeah, show me that scripture. Now, it is one of the things we have heard and said that is unscriptural, but also traditional. See, it's a difference. It is traditional, but it's unscriptural. Unscriptural, I'm sorry. The thing about it is many people will believe an idea like that, like that more than they will believe the word of God. Isn't that pitiful? That is pitiful. How can you believe a tradition and an idea more than you believe the word of God? Now, we need to look at some things, okay, because it will help you free yourself, especially if you have something from your past hanging over your head. Now, there are many people who think God will not forgive give you or forgive them of all the things they have done. All these bad things that are coming against my life or, or, or because of all the bad stuff I did back then when I was 12 and now you 55. My Lord. See, sometimes I have to stop when I'm saying these things and just shake my head. God does not remember you did anything bad once you come to Christ. That's one of the benefits of the new covenant. I don't care if you killed 1,759 people, which I hope you have not done. And nobody should even have those things on their conscience. But no matter what you may have done, God will not hold it against you once you come to Christ. Let us say you murdered someone or, or robbed someone or uh, uh, had an abortion or sold a child. You might have even given someone a disease that you knew you had. Or oh, I know some people who have done that too in the past. Uh, yet you interface with, with the person anyway. Never saying anything about it. And the person became infected with the disease. Now, it is not good when people do any of those things. And you should not have done what you did. But you did it. It is over and done with the bottle of milk is spilt and you cannot put it back into the bottle or put the bottle back together 
Once you come to Christ, see, this is the power of grace, my sisters and brothers. Once you come to Christ, God never remembers that you ever sinned. That's one of the benefits of being under the new covenant. And he will not put something on you in the future to make you pay for something you did in the past when Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross. Oh my God, if I was before a live audience, I would be shouting right now. Oh my goodness. However, the devil will, unfortunately, most preachers in the pulpit will cooperate with the devil by telling you, well, the Lord put that on you, uh, my brothers and sisters. Yeah, he's cooperating with Satan, not God. He is not speaking on God's behalf. Mm -mm. God is testing you and perfecting you. He is bringing you through the wilderness to make a better person out of you. And, and, though, and through it all, you will become strong in the things of the Lord. Have, uh, how many of you have heard that before? <laughs> how many of you have heard that lie before? Now, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? It seems like if we went through the wilderness, it will make us strong. Not according to the Bible. Mm -mm, not according to the Bible. The Bible says that if you go through the wilderness, it will kill you. And I'm talking graveyard dead. The children of Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years and it did not make them strong. It killed every person 20 years old and upward except Caleb and Joshua. Now, besides that, God Almighty did not put the children of Israel in the wilderness. Oh, my God. Ooh. See why you have to rightly divide these scriptures. We, getting, we are getting ready to talk about the wilderness experience uh, involving the children of Israel. God did not put the children of Israel in the wilderness. They put themselves there by their lack of faith and their unwillingness to follow God. They would not believe him. And they would not receive what he had done for them. Now, as a result, they had to go through the wilderness. Now, many of the things you are putting up with are not things God has put into your life. In fact, the devil is not even putting those things on you. You are putting them on yourself. The devil is just seeing to it that they are enforced in your life because you are on his turf. And he is going to try to break your head. You hear me? He's going to try to break your back with all sorts of disasters. Now, however, a lot of negativity comes into your life because your, your rebellion against doing what God says to do. That's why it comes because you are rebelling against God. You do not ever want to go through the wilderness experience because it can kill you sisters and brothers. Oh no, you don't want to ever go through the wilderness experience. Now, in all of human history, if there were ever a case in point for what the wilderness experience can do to you, it would be the children of Israel. These Israelites had come out of Egypt. Now, we're going to talk about them. Y'all may know the story if you've read the story. They came out of Egypt and God had worked miracles for them. They went through the Red Sea. The Egyptians were destroyed. And the children of Israel walked across an area of land called the wilderness. They ended up on the banks of the Jordan River, looking into the land of Canaan. Now, God said to Moses, 
he, th this is the key. I want you to pick up on this. God said to Moses, pick 12 men, one man out of each one of the tribes who is a leader of that tribe and send them into the land to search it out. In other words, go spy out the land and validate that it is exactly what I said it was, a land that flows with milk and honey. The 12 men were selected and sent out. Excuse me. They were gone 40 days before they finally returned. Now let's look at this. It's, look in Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 and 27. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of, of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, at Kadesh, I'm sorry. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Now, they did not say we think. They did not say it seems to us that. They did not say our interpretation of it. Moses. Is that they said. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Okay, let's let's continue to read. Listen, uh, Numbers thirteen twenty-eight through uh, thirty-three. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong; the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that, de that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. How, now, 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 listen to this. Let, let's search this, these verses out. How did they know what they look like to other, for other people? Huh? How, did, how, how did they know what those people look like to other people? They defeated themselves by saying they could not take the land God had said, I give it to you. And they said, we can't take it. And see, that's what's going on today. People, God telling people what they can do. And they saying, oh, no, I can't because they're walking by sight and not by faith. Oh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, 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 now listen, because we, we, this is very important here for this message about the wilderness experience. See, the wilderness experience can kill you 
So God ain't bringing us through no wilderness experience. So when the devil stand before you in those robes and those pulpits trying to tell you that, you better get out of that church. Oh, you better get out of there, honey. Because this is the devil trying to kill you. Now let's look at Numbers 14, 26 and 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Oh yes, silence for reflection. You may think because you do not commit fornication or adultery or because you do not lie, smoke, steal, gamble or do drugs that you are just fine with God. But God said, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? What did he call evil? Huh? The fact that they were out there committing, the fact that they were not out there committing adultery when they were out there these 40 days, the fact that they went out, went out there and, and didn't rob anybody, you know, those 40 days, the fact that they went out there and, and, and didn't firebomb any stores and looted different places. No, 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 no. God said they brought back an evil report. That's what God said. An evil report is a report of doubt. It is a report that refuses to believe that almighty God is telling you the truth. It is a refusal to do the things God's way. That's what an evil report is. Now look at Numbers 14, 27 to 35. Oh, I told you we were going to be reading some scripture today. Come on, let, let's, get, let's get through it. Hang in there now because this is going to bless you. When you know to do better, you do better. When you know the truth, it is knowing the truth that sets man free. So let's look at Numbers 14, 27, 35. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I, I'm sorry, as I live, says the Lord, just as you, as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The caucuses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above except for Caleb, the son of, Jebu of uh, Jephunim, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in, but your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your caucuses shall fall in this wilderness." And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your caucuses are consumed in the wilderness. Now, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days for each day, you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do do. I'm sorry, excuse me. I will surely do so to all this e evil congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and they shall die. And there they shall die. Oh, 
Now, you still want to go through the wilderness? Do you still want to go through the wilderness? Now, I just exposed this, exposed this false teaching. Now, notice God told the people they would die in the wilderness. But it was not God who put them there. Their complaining against God and his servant Moses was what caused them to go into the wilderness. God's purpose for their going into the wilderness was not to make them strong. He said the people were going to die there. The people brought this disaster on themselves by their murmuring and complaining. Notice also who heard the murmuring. In verse 27, I'm sorry, in verse 27, God says, I have heard. I have news for you. The Lord is still hearing. He has good batteries in his hearing aid, my sisters and brothers, and they never, ever lose its power. You may think it is all right to complain about, about God's word and the pastors that are teaching you the truth, but guess what? God is listening to you. Yes, he is. If anything, it would be better for you to say to the teacher, uh, teacher's face than to complain when he or she is not around and let God hear your complaining. You know, all you do when you gripe and complain is to set yourself up for the wilderness. Now, God called the children of Israel's complaining evil. Now, you want to challenge God? Because some of y'all are proud enough to do it. Go ahead, challenge God. God called complaining evil, especially if it's complaining against his word. He said, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Now, you may think that because you do not drink beer or, 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 or alcohol, you do not smoke and you don't do drugs and you don't lie and you don't go and gamble up all the, the rent money, that it makes you all right. But you can go ahead and murmur and gripe. And that is just as much a sin before God as all those other things are. That may be why your blessings have not come yet. Because of your murmuring. Uh-huh. Now notice something else that is absolutely uh, awesome. All of the innocent were condemned because of the guilty. Caleb and Joshua believed God. And remember... Abraham, because Abraham was a sinner. Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. Remember Rahab, the prostitute, believed God and she was saved. Mm -hmm. She was saved from the destruction that was coming that way. Now they told the people they were well able to take the land. That's what Joshua and Caleb did. They told the people, you are well able to take the land. Now why? Because God said you could do it. God said you can do it, but they were walking by sight. They saw these people that looked like giants and they were intimidated. But if God tells you to do something, you can do it. God is not telling you to suffer. But they were cheated out of 40 years because of the people's murmuring. Now, the wilderness did not make the children of Israel strong. Now, you just read it. You just read it. You just heard me read it. You, I told you the scriptures and you read it. They didn't make the children of Israel strong. It killed every last one of the people who complained. Now, I do not know about you, but I do not want to die. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not as a result of ignoring God 
And I do not want to be uh, uh, prevented from going into the promised land because of murmuring. If God promises you something, you need to take it. Or just say, I know God, I just don't want it, but I know you are able. But don't you ever doubt God. Don't you ever doubt God. God considers doubting him as evil. You do know anything that is not a faith is, 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 is sin, right? See, you don't have to go next door and sleep with somebody's husband to sin. If you don't believe God, you are sinning. And I can promise you in this day and age, we have more people that are sinning by not believing God than more people than are, that are committing adultery. And that's sad. That's sad. It will be better to have 300 people in the congregation who had a mind to do God's work and to do it his way. You hear me? His way. Than to have 20,000 people murmuring and complaining. That complaining will keep the blessing from the people who are doing things right. If you are still sitting in the midst of those people. Sometimes people, you got to look out for yourself and you got to get up from out of mama them church. Yes, you do. You better get up from out of mama them church because you will perish with that old traditional church. Now y'all know me, Dr. Kamala D going to speak the truth in love, sisters and brothers in love. Now, if you do not like what the teacher is doing, the best thing for you to do is to get on your face before God. Repent if you have been complaining and start praying for the person if they are teaching you falsely. You hear me? You pray for the pastor or the teacher or the apostle if they are falsely teaching you. But don't you murmur against God if you are hearing the truth from them. That is how you can change the situation. If you believe what, what the, the, the teacher or the pastor is doing is not of the Lord. If the pastor or the teacher is doing what the Lord led him to do and you, you leave uh, and, and you leave yourself spiritually open, the Holy Spirit will give you the revelation. The Holy Spirit can't give you the revelation under false teaching, though. The Holy Spirit will give you the revelation if that person is teaching you the truth. Either way, you will be doing something constructive about the situation. That is so that that is far better than spreading discord and in essence being the devil's tool. Talking about a teacher that's 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 teaching you the truth. Now, uh, unbelief is a sin. And y'all need to know that. And just like any other sin, there is a price to pay. Because of their unbelief, the children of Israel wandered 40 years in, in an area that could have been crossed in 21 days. They simply could not find their way out. That is what sin will do to you. It will spiritually blind you. The children of Israel were spiritually blinded. They wouldn't listen to the people who had insight from God. If God told them to go over and possess the land, that's what they should have done. God had already worked out how they were going to possess the land once they got there, but they didn't trust him. They were walking by what they saw. Just like you do, you walk by what you see. If the doctor gives you a report and say you have cancer, it's stage four, you may not live for six months, you better tell him I serve a God who is able. By his stripes, I am healed. Thank you for your report, but by his stripes, I am healed. I believe I'm healed. And you stand on that until your healing comes. Now, you may think it is okay to gripe and complain because you do it 
and, and, and because you do it and God does not strike you dead at that moment. But he has a lot of time. There, there's no hurry. He is not going anywhere. But you are. Payday is not every Friday. But payday is coming. Okay. It came for Israel. They got whipped out because of their complaining and because they would not take God at his word. Now, this may be harsh, but you need to hear it. And I'm telling you, it is not God causing you to suffer. It is the devil. The scriptures has to be rightly divided to you so that you can understand. And now that you know the truth, now that you know different, you have to renew your mind to, to, to think differently about God. God is a deliverer. He is a healer. He is a protector. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not a punisher. You understand, sisters and brothers? Not a punisher. And we will end this message right here. Stay tuned for my closing message. Wow, I know that was a lot to take in, but this was powerful. I hope you were blessed by this message, how God chastens his children. I will share part two of this very important message tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments about this series or any past episodes, please send your questions or comments to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to show your financial support for this podcast, please sow your seed into this good ground. We teach the truth and that's good ground, saints. Go to my Anchor, Spotify, or Breaker home pages, click on the support this podcast button and contribute an amount of your choice. Now until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.